Everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. I don't remember in my lifetime going through such political stress, health crisis stress, people going through financial stress, personal stress, marital stress. I, I don't remember ever a time America has gone through this much stress. And the Bible says, Philippians 4, have no anxiety about anything. <laughs> Well, how do I get there? I don't know any Christian who doesn't periodically have stress. In fact, pastors have a lot of stress. A few years ago, there was a pastor's conference and they had a medical doctor speak to the preachers. And he went through all the things stress does to the human body. And he said, quote, strive to eliminate all stress from your life because of what it does to you. There's an old saying, Worry is like a rocking chair. It'll give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Well, today, let's, let's ask the question, how can I obey Philippians 2 and have no anxiety about anything? I don't think we'll get to that point till we're in heaven, but there are things that will help. So let's pray, and if you're going through stress especially, let's just pray. Father, we pray for anyone right now who's going through physical pain, a mental stress, a marital stress, financial stress, political stress. Lord, we would pray that your Holy Spirit would now come and teach us how to de-stress and trust in you. Speak to us, Lord, for our health, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me share with you from Scripture some things I think that will help you and me overcome stress. Number one, don't sweat the small stuff. I uh, have a plaque that I've shown before on this program that hangs on my wall. It says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. In other words, if something doesn't have eternal meaning or value, don't sweat it. You know, put, don't let little stuff overwhelm you. I'll tell you what I thought of. <laughs> I go to garage sales a lot. I got at a garage sale really cheap, one of these big Vitamix blenders. I really like it. So I'm making all this stuff on my Vitamix blender, and then one day I took the plunger, and you're supposed to put the rubber thing on the lid first, but I didn't, and I plunged the plunger into the blades of the Vitamix. It made this horribly loud sigh, sound, and I got so depressed that I wrecked my blender, and it bugged me for days. And it was as if the Lord said, I didn't hear a voice, but it was finally as if the Lord said, Tom, it's a blender. <laughs> and then happily to find out, I really didn't wreck it. I just, you just need to get another part or whatever. But um, my point is, don't sweat the small stuff. If something is not of eternal value, don't get too upset about it. 
Second thought on overcoming stress, personal prayer. The most stressful night of Jesus' life was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing he was going to be crucified the next morning. And he got an anxiety attack, and three times he got on his knees and gave it a prayer attack and talked to God three times about what he is going through. Do you have a personal prayer life? Do you talk to God? I mean, do you ever, the hymn, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to the Lord in prayer. When I was a young preacher, an old white-haired pastor said to me, Tom, you need one hour alone with the Lord every day or you'll burn out. And he said, during that time you can pray, you can read the Bible. Sometimes I take out my guitar and I sing to the Lord or I lay on the bed and, and Bible.is on my iPhone, get that app, Bible.is, it reads the Bible to me. But I don't make a full hour every day, but I often do. And, and personal prayer will help you de-stress. There is a, another plaque that I got at a garage sale that hangs on my wall the English poet Alfred Lord Tennyson. More things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. So number one, don't sweat the small stuff. Number two, if you don't have a prayer life, just start talking to God. I, I like having my hour in the morning. Maybe you do it at night, but just take, maybe not an hour, but take some time every day to read the Bible, pray to the Lord, and unburden your soul. Third thing that helps overcome stress, an accountability partner. James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Do you have someone in your life to whom you can unburden your soul? I got a phone call from a pastor down south in a southern state. He's in his 60s. He saw my TV show, I think, where I talked about my personal struggle with same-sex attraction. I'm celibate and always have been, but I get pulled toward the same-sex attraction temptation. And he said, I've got that too. And he said, as I get older, that temptation is not getting weaker. It's getting stronger. And he said, am I alone in this? I said, no. <laughs> now, I, I, I told him what a professor of mine at seminary said years ago. He said, as we get older, our flesh doesn't get better. It gets worse. <laughs> now, when I heard that back then, I thought, well, no, there's something called sanctification. The Holy Spirit makes us holier as we grow in grace. And I think that's true. But I don't think your flesh, your evil human nature, ever gets better. All that you can do with that thing is kill it every day, crucify it every day. I don't think that ever gets better. So, uh, but my point to him was, do you have someone to hold you accountable, to pray with you once a week, that'll hold you accountable? And then I said to him, make sure you put covenant eyes on your computer and on your iPhone. It's worth 11 bucks a month. And I said to him, I have it on my stuff. If I get a weak moment, I don't want to be able to access porn. So I, 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 it's called covenant eyes. Listen, if you're a parent, first of all, put it on your own computer and, and iPhone, but make sure your kids have got it. And if you're a grandparent, say, I'll pay for my grandkids to get it on their iPhone. But um, it is worth getting a prayer partner and accountability partner to de-stress your life. 
Don't sweat the small stuff. Have a regular prayer life. Get an accountability partner. A fourth thing that will help you de-stress, take your Sabbath. Take your one day off a week. Don't work every day. The same white-haired pastor that told me to spend an hour with the Lord also told me many years ago, he said, Tom, you know, you work on Sunday, so your day off, your Sabbath, is Thursday. I don't want to see your foot in the church. I don't want to see your car in the parking lot of the church. You stay home or whatever you do. Take one day a week to enjoy God, to enjoy uh, family, friends, to enjoy, you know, whatever. But take one day a week and you don't work. Let me ask you this. Do you work every day? That's killing your health. It's hurting your family. It's hurting your relationship with the Lord. Take one day a week and just don't work. Enjoy God, enjoy life, your family or whatever, but take your Sabbath. I went to a pastor's conference years ago. All these pastors from different denominations, we came together at a camp and we prayed for two or three days. The main thing that the Lord spoke to us about was pastor, Take your Sabbath. Take your day off and don't work every day. And I remember at the end of the time, a pastor stood up and said, I need to confess a sin. I work every day. And what God has been showing me this week, why do I do that? Because I don't think God can run the kingdom of God without me. And that's pride. And I'm, I'm resolved. I'm going home. I'm going to start taking my Sabbath. I encourage you. I think we'd have a lot less nervous breakdowns, heart attacks, stress in marriages, etc., if everybody took a Sabbath once a week. Next way to de-stress ourselves. Don't be afraid to get help. Nothing is wrong with a Christian seeing a counselor. I've, I've had to do it periodically in my life. Now, I, I encourage you to see a Christian counselor, you know, but nothing's wrong with going to get help. Like I say, pastors can be under stress. Uh, I'll tell you, as I look back on my ministry, I remember when I had to handle sexual abuse in my congregation, a guy of our church who was sexually abusing his stepdaughter, and I had to get involved in that, and I got the authorities involved in that. Talk about stress. Then there was a situation where satanic abuse was going on, between a man in our congregation and his, his daughter, man, talk about stress. There was another situation where I had to deal with a very difficult usher, but finally, hallelujah, praise the Lord, I got an elder president by the name of John who was really good at confrontation, and it didn't bother him. So I said, John, can I now and then hand you a difficult situation and let you take care of it? And he said, sure. <laughs> oh. Don't be afraid to get help, letting other people help you. Next, help in de-stressing. Get a group praying for you. You know, maybe you've got a prayer chain at your church. Use it. I did. I called my prayer chain a couple days ago. I know someone who's going through intense physical pain, so I called the white-haired ladies of the church, the prayer chain. Uh, would you pray for uh, this woman here? And you know what I heard? <laughs> Somebody said once, if you want something to happen, Get the white-haired ladies of your church praying for it. I believe that. I used to have a lady named Fran. She's with the Lord now, but when I was stressed or had a big issue, I called her, Fran, could you pray about A, B, C, D? So, so get a group praying for you. And I will tell you this story. 
I've, I've been a pastor, what now, 35 years, whatever it's been, maybe more. Um, this is my favorite story. You maybe have heard this. On, I've told this before, but here's the story. At the church that I served for many years, Hope Lutheran Church, every Saturday morning, I think for like 40 years, the pastors would, the, the, the men of the church on Saturday morning at 8 o'clock would go up and pray and kneel at the altar, and we'd pray for the church and people's uh, problems. And Helen, our organist, would be up in the choir loft quietly praying the, playing the organ, and at the end of the prayer time, Helen and all the men would go downstairs for coffee. Now, Helen, <laughs> older woman, her husband was a Lutheran pastor. Her father was a Lutheran pastor. Two of her sons were Lutheran pastors. Helen was very Lutheran. She played the organ. She didn't want you playing or deleting anything from the Lutheran liturgy. She wanted to do the whole service. And she didn't like the charismatic movement. And I I'm telling you this because the reason I believe this story is because it happened to Helen. Here's the story. One Saturday morning, I came out a little early and knelt by myself and prayed. And then the men came out and we all prayed and went downstairs. Helen comes up to me downstairs. Tom, who was the man in the long white robe that came out and knelt next to you when you were praying to begin with? I said, Helen, there wasn't anybody in a white robe. No, no, the, uh, is, there, is, there, is somebody in a costume? Is there a play tomorrow at church? Well, who was the man in the long white robe? I said, Helen, there's nobody in a long white robe. And she kept insisting. And I finally said, I don't know, Helen. Maybe it was an angel. And Helen said, no, this was real. <laughs> that was Helen. <laughs> and, and you know, about a week later, Helen came back to me and she said, I don't think it was an angel. I think it was the Lord because his hair was long in the back. And I tell that story to make this point. Where does Jesus show up in our church? At the prayer meeting. And so many churches don't have a prayer meeting. Listen, if you go to a church, make that number one priority. We're going to start having a prayer meeting once a week at our church. Uh, I encourage you to, to de-stress. Have some group in your church that does that and call in your prayer requests. Next thing that helps me de-stress is exercise. I hate exercise, but I do it because I love the results. I mean, if, if I, it, for me, it's a mental thing. If I don't exercise, I start to feel like a blob. But if I do exercise, I feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm confident. So, you know, even if it's just taking a little walk, you know, maybe it's hard for you to exercise because of your age or your legs or something. Just find something you can do to exercise. It helps alleviate stress. All right, one last thing. Praise God nightly for five things. This is a habit I got into maybe 25 years ago. Every night before I go to bed, I think back through the day, and I thank God for five things he did for me that day. I encourage you to do that tonight. Do it the rest of your life. Here's why. Now, tell me what you see here. What do you see? And most people say, well, I see a dot. And I say, you don't see a dot. You see 98% 
of a white piece of paper. Only 2% is a dot. <laughs> and that's the way we get, you know, most of our lives, if you think about it, it's going pretty well. All right, 2% is going awful, but we zero in on the 2% and we forget the 98% that's going well. So I encourage you, before you go to bed tonight and do it regularly, God, I'm gonna think on five things you did for me today for which I praise you. And then just spend some time praising the Lord. Let's put it all together. <sighs> Have no anxiety about anything is the command from Ephesians 4. How can I do that better? Number one, have a personal prayer life. Number two, don't sweat the small stuff. Number three, get an accountability partner. Number four, take your Sabbath. Number five, don't, don't um, uh, uh, be timid about getting help. Uh, next, get a group praying for you. Next, exercise. And next, before you go to bed tonight, Thank God for five things he has done for you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this. Uh, years ago, I was going through some stress. I had a dream. I think this one was from the Lord. And in the dream, I was being chased by this little, evil-looking animal. It was a little animal, but it barked real loud. And it had me scared to death. And it's chasing me. And finally, it chases me up a tree. And I'm up in the tree just shuddering, and this thing's at the bottom of the tree going, rah, 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 rah. and in the dream, it occurred to me, I'm never coming down because that thing will never leave. And a Christian came along, pointed his finger at it, and said, in the name of Jesus, go. And the animal went, rah, 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 ran away. And I came down, I said to the Christian, but what if it comes back? And he said, just start praising the Lord. It can't stand that. <laughs> and I woke up. And I think that dream taught me two things. Number one, sometimes Tom Brock is so much in his own tree, he needs another Christian to get him down. The importance of Christian fellowship. And, and then the second uh, lesson, when you get tempted, when you get under stress, start praising the Lord. Sing a hymn. Sing a Christian worship song. What I like to do is I like to lay on my bed, push the Bible.is app, and have it read the Bible to me. Or I like to take out the Bible and, and read one of the Psalms out loud. But worship is one way to drive anxiety from your life. Hope that helps, and we'll do our questions and answer now. Welcome to the portion of the pastor's study where we ask Pastor Brock questions regarding the Bible. Pastor Brock, is worry a sin? Well, I think you gotta say yes because Philippians does say have no anxiety about anything. So when I'm worrying, it's saying I'm not trusting God's gonna take care of me. Mm -hmm. So yes, it is a sin, but it's a sin I think pretty much everybody battles because Who's reached the point in life where you never worry about anything? I don't know any Christian like that. <laughs> no. yeah. Well, does Satan try to give us fear, anxiety, and stress? Yeah, I think Satan uh, loves to keep Christians afraid. Mm -hmm. But there's, a, there's an old saying, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. Mm -hmm. So when we get uh, tempted or to, to fret, get on your knees and pray. Yeah. I know I shouldn't worry, but I can't seem to control it. How do I stop worrying? Well, I'm not an expert on this one because I worry way too much, but I'll tell you some things that help me. Um, I love to lay on my bed 
and I have a little app for free. Anybody can get it. It's called Bible.is. And you just lay it on your bed, you push the button, and they read the Gospel of Luke mm. or Habakkuk or Genesis, whatever you choose. And it's just, it can really calm me down. Listening to Christian music helps. Mm -hmm. When you're driving your car, turn to the Christian radio station or put in uh, Christian music. Um, I gotta pray when I'm when I'm stressed out. I gotta pray. I get on my knees to pray, and I, you don't have to, but I, I like to get on my knees when I'm stressed. An, an old pastor told me once, it's really good to just open up the book of Psalms and read a psalm out loud when you're stressed, because a lot of the psalms are David going help, you know. Right. So uh, read the psalms. Make sure you're in good Christian fellowship, and I would say a huge way that I eliminate stress is I have a prayer partner somebody that I talk to regularly, and I just tell him my sorrows, and let's pray for this, and he can do the same for me. We pray for each other. Having a Christian fellowship, being in a good church, helps with stress. Okay. Guilt over my past sin causes me stress. Can I be relieved of that? Yeah, you know, sometimes I have people contacting me that, you know, I had an abortion 20 years ago, and I just, and you know, I, I tell people two things. You gotta claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins mm -hmm. and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. For the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So pray and say, God, forgive my abortion or forgive my adultery, whatever it was. And then whether you feel it or not, you trust your sins are forgiven and you don't listen to the voice of the devil accusing you anymore. I, I think it's this way, Mona. If I sin and I feel guilt, I think that's the Holy Spirit because mm -hmm. the Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. But after I've asked for forgiveness and put it under the blood of Christ, if I still feel guilt, that's not the Holy Spirit anymore. That's the devil trying to get me under condemnation. Mm -hmm. But if you've done that and you still can't get free of it, then James chapter 5 says, confess your sins to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. So the, the uh, accountability partner, my prayer partner, when I need to, I confess my sins to him. And he can announce to me, Tom, through the blood of Christ, your sins are forgiven. Sometimes you need to hear it from another human just to make it really sink in. So, uh, you know, a lot of ch Catholics, Lutherans, uh, Episcopalians, they, you confess your sins to a priest. You don't have to. Well, you do in the Catholic Church. <laughs> but in the Lutheran Church, you don't have to. Mm -hmm. But, it, you know, Luther said in James chapter 5, strange priest, this one another, meaning it doesn't have to be a priest, but nothing's wrong with going to a pastor and doing it. But just get up like I have. I, the, my prayer partner is not a priest, he's not a pastor, but he's a wonderful Christian man that I, I confess to when I need to. So that's what I would say to this person. Someone you have confidence in. Yes. Any uh, advice on how to develop a prayer life? Yeah, I'm just concerned if, you, if you're watching this show and you never pray, you gotta develop a prayer life. And what I would say is just, uh, if you're a morning person, do it in the morning. If you're an evening person, do it in the evening, but set aside a, a time. I, I try to put in an hour, and I don't pray for an hour straight. I normally read the Bible for half an hour, and then I pray for maybe 20 minutes, half an hour, and, and then it gets reversed or, you know. But just, just try to s take a time every day, get a habit where you pray every day, you read your Bible every day, and um, uh, uh, it'll vary. And I don't put in a full hour every day by any means, but uh, but that's my goal, and I often hit it, mm -hmm. and it just keeps you calm. Yeah. So you can actually pray throughout the day too. Oh, I do all, and I'm sure you do too. Mm -hmm. On and off in my head, 
that kicked in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to I used to pray the same thing every night when I was a little boy. God bless mommy, daddy, everything. You know, and now and then about age thirteen, I started praying to God on and off in my head all day mm-hmm. long. I still do. Yeah. Is it sin to work on the Sabbath? Um, you know, the one commandment of the Ten Commandments that is not restated in the New Testament is the Sabbath, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. So I get people upset with me because I say, the Seventh-day Adventists believe you have to worship on Saturday because that's what the Jews did and that's what God told the Jews to do. My response is, he doesn't tell the New Testament Christians they have to worship on the Sabbath. In mm-hmm. fact, Paul wrote in Romans 14, verse 5, one person holds one day above another, somebody else holds them all the same. Well, uh, just do what you th- he. You know, I don't think... When Seventh-day Adventists write me and you need to preach that we have to worship on Saturday, mm-hmm. the New Testament doesn't do that, so I don't either. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, we worship on Sunday because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. If Seventh-day Adventists want to worship on Saturday, fine, but especially don't make this a salvation issue. We're saved by grace. We're saved by what Jesus did on the cross. We're not saved if we worship on Saturday instead of Sunday. That, that's legalism. So, um, but you know, Mona, even though it's not reiterated, mm-hmm. there's a good principle in, the, in uh, the Sabbath that, you know, I have to work on Sunday as a pastor sometimes. And well, you take one day a week where you rest, where you enjoy God and your family and you don't, you know, take one day of rest a week. I think you'll live longer doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need it. The Old Testament teaches we should observe Saturday as the Sabbath. Why do you Christians worship on Sunday? Right. Um, in the New Testament, you know, sometimes the Seventh-day Adventist type people say, well, Constantine or the Pope changed it to Sunday. No, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, they're worshiping on the first day of the week. Mm-hmm. And what, that's Sunday. And what, what is it that got these Jewish Christians to start worshiping on Sunday and not Saturday. Something pretty big must have happened on Sunday. And mm-hmm. what was it? Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> it never clearly says why they started worshiping on the first day of the week, but it's the Lord's day as the day he, he rose from the dead. So I think it's fine to worship. I think it's fine, you know, a lot of people have to work on Sunday. Find a Wednesday night worship right. service. Yeah. Right. Is it okay for Christians to see a psychologist or a psychiatrist? Mm-hmm. I think it is, but be careful. I uh, uh, got messed up when I was a a young person because I got some awful advice from a secular psychiatrist. So yeah, but get a Christian counselor. And Mona, we're almost done. And and thanks for asking the questions. Uh, Jackie will be back soon, we believe. Mm -hmm. She's had dental surgery and she's recouping. And so uh, you'll probably see her back here soon. Pray for her health. And just everybody, we wanna thank you for watching the show. If you wanna see this show again, Go to pastorstudy.org. All of our TV shows are there. You can watch them for free anytime. We'll see you next time at The Pastor Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. If you've been blessed by the pastor study, would you consider a tax-deductible gift to help us reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ? You can donate at our website, pastorstudy.org, two S's, 
or mail a check to the pastor's study. P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55441. May the Lord bless you and have a wonderful week.